We ultimately inherit eternal life when we fulfill the purpose of our existence, and that is when we do the good works that we were created for by loving God and loving people. That's the whole idea. That's our purpose in life. That's why we were made. We were not made for anything else. If you live for anything else, you are off course. You are not following the intention of the design. God made man so that man could love him and their neighbor out of their own free will. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about the way to inherit eternal life. There are many people that have different opinions on how to obtain eternal life. Some believe that all you need to do is to just be a good person. Others think that a certain religion or custom will help them attain eternity. And there are those that believe that since God is so good that He is just going to forgive everyone no matter what. According to the Bible, there is a way to inherit eternal life, but it may be very different to what many believe, even within our Christian society. Today's message is inspired in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 18 to 30. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, Blessed be your name. Heavenly Father, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Blessed be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Heavenly Father, I praise you for your goodness. I praise you for your grace. I praise you, O Lord, Heavenly Father, for the eternal life that we have through Jesus Christ, for the eternal hope of salvation. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I pray, Holy God, that you may please forgive my sins and my wrongs. Heavenly Father, Lord God, forgive us, O Lord. Have mercy on us, O God. Heavenly Father, for we do not deserve anything, but we only lean on your mercy and on your grace. Blessed are you forever and ever, O Lord God. I pray, O Lord, now that you may please help us to understand your word. Help us to understand what your true will is, Lord God. And to you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's key passage reading can be found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 18 to 30. This is the word of the Lord. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. Though when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, Who then can be saved? But he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said, See, we have left all and followed you. So he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God 
who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. One of the things that is interesting here is that Jesus does mention to the young ruler the Ten Commandments as the way to inherit eternal life because he does the run down the list, so to speak. So one of the things we can take away from here is that the commandments are essential to our faith in the Lord, which in turn are integrally related to inheriting eternal life. Just like Jesus did the rundown, if you will, let's read through them. Exodus chapter 20 is one of the places we can find the Ten Commandments. And it says, And God spoke all of these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. If we understand the structure, the first four involve God directly and the remaining six involve man directly. So we see that the commandments have two directions, if you will. They address how we should treat God or what we should do for the Lord and how we should address and or coexist with our fellow man, with our neighbor. If we look for a moment within the first four, the Lord says in verse six that he shows mercy to thousands, to those who love him and keep his commandments. Within the commandments themselves, God interjects and or involves love. So love is a part of the equation and how to please God, how to do the things that allow for us to inherit eternal life. Now then, Jesus reiterated everything in two commandments to make things that much more straightforward. And because that is what's written in the Old Testament. This is one of the main misconceptions that many people have and many believers, that now that we have grace, that the commandments don't matter and that we can live life however we want and do whatever we want, just as long as we believe. And that could not be farther from the truth. Grace does not invalidate the commandments, but rather grace involves even more so the commandments. We need to remember what Jesus himself said. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, 
one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. And so if we have faith in Christ, we cannot dismiss at all the commandments. We do need to fulfill them. They need to be done. They need to be kept. So it is impossible to say that we do not need to do anything anymore in order to inherit eternal life. This is what Jesus also said related to the commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. And he also said, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. In another place it says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And finally it says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Are we starting to understand what should really be happening in our lives? This is what Jesus established. This is what he made clear. This is what needs to happen so that we can inherit eternal life. These are the things that need to occur in our lives. They are essential, necessary. They are requirements. These are not good ideas. These are foundational and key to our faith in Christ. We said before that Jesus summarized all the commandments into two main commandments, and here they are. In Mark chapter 12, it says, Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the message is very simple. So simple that a child can understand it. It's all about loving God with everything we are. That's the very first at the top of the list, the priority over all things. And the second is about loving our neighbor as ourselves. And who is our neighbor? Everyone that surrounds us, our loved ones, the people that we know, the people that we don't know, and the people that don't like us, even our enemies. Everyone around us, no exceptions. That's who our neighbor is. This is what the kingdom of God is about. This is how we inherit eternal life. It is necessary to understand this if you do want to be saved, if you do want to have eternal life, if you do want to attain immortality through Jesus Christ. Salvation is through grace, but there must be good works. There must be a product. True faith in Christ must produce what God is looking for. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We ultimately inherit eternal life when we fulfill the purpose of our existence, and that is when we do the good works that we were created for by loving God and loving people. That's the whole idea. That's our purpose in life. That's why we were made. We were not made for anything else. If you live for anything else, you're off course. 
You are not following the intention of the design. God made man so that man could love him and their neighbor out of their own free will. And so how do we do this practically? We have to always go back to the order. And that is what Jesus tried to help this certain ruler understand, the one we saw at the beginning. This man may in fact have kept many of the commandments, but he screwed up on the number one. The first commandment, he forgot about it. And when a person forgets that one, then it doesn't matter if you do the rest. Let's look again at how Jesus challenged the ruler and where we see that number one is not kept at all. Jesus said this to him, you still lack one thing, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. So how was this ruler failing at the first commandment? Jesus, God, was telling him what was necessary at that moment to do and he didn't do it. It says, but when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. So what happened? When God told him to do something, he didn't do it. Why? Because the ruler's God was his wealth. His wealth had first place in his life and not God. That was the problem. Was it the actual wealth's fault per se? Did his wealth tell him not to follow God? No. He was the one that decided to give his wealth the preeminence. That's a decision. That's a choice. And let me tell you, wealth can be represented in a number of ways. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's relationships, people. Riches are things and are people that go above and beyond what are necessary. Are riches within themselves wrong? No, not at all. The problem occurs when a person puts their riches before God. We need to always bear in mind that loving God should always be first and the reason for why we do everything in life. Think about it this way. It's like walking. When we were very young, if we had the physical ability, we learned how to walk. That's the foundation. And when we learn how to walk, we probably learn how to run. And then when many people learned how to run and became interested in sports, they basically needed that running capability for everything. If a person played football, soccer, basketball, tennis, volleyball, and or participated in any other physical sport, they needed to always employ that very basic thing. That was what learn how to do, which was walking. But what happens if a person wants to play basketball, for instance, and they forget how to walk or run? They simply won't be able to play. In order to play the sport, a person needs to run. It's part of the game. A person can dribble the ball all they want, but if they don't run, they're not going to be very good at it. And of course, if a person likes soccer, the whole game is about running and running very fast. The average professional player runs in a match between seven to nine and a half miles or 11 to 15 kilometers. So this young ruler was like watching a soccer player sitting on the bench. Not very exciting. He wasn't even in the sport if we had forgotten about the very first thing, about loving God above all things and giving him the priority and preeminence over his wealth. It was an epic failure. That's what happens when a person does not do the first commandment, when they don't love the Lord with everything they are, when that is not the foundation and the reason for everything that they are doing. That's the whole point. That's what Jesus came to set straight and to show us through his example. That's how he fulfilled the law. And so, how can we do that? How can we fulfill the law? 
by letting the Lord be the Lord of our lives. That's where it all begins. That's the beginning and the continuance of all things. Jesus needs to become the effective and literal Lord of our lives. You see, we were created by God, but we don't belong to God when we're born. We're only his creation. And because of the inheritance of sin that was left for us as a result of the fall of man, we're actually under the power of sin and subject to the lust of the flesh. That's our reality. King David wrote, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Romans chapter 5 also says, Therefore, just as through one man's sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. And it is also written, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That was our reality. And it is still your reality if you have not been born again in Christ. What does it mean to be born again in Christ? John chapter 3 tells us of the conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus where it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. When a person is born again, that is how they make Jesus the effective and literal Lord of their lives. This happens when a person surrenders their life to the Lord. And that should make sense. Because if a person is not born belonging to God, then they should give themselves over to him so that they can in fact belong to him. John chapter 1 says this, but as many as received him, talking about Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. The way a person becomes a child of God is when a person receives Christ and surrenders their life to him. That's the only way. Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through him. The Bible is very clear in that, for it is written, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus taught that in order to be born again, to be able to see and enter the kingdom of God, a person must be born of the water and the spirit. What does that mean? The water he spoke about here is about the baptism of repentance that John the Baptist spoke about. It's about repenting and converting from all sins, like baptism, dying to your sinful self by submerging in the water and becoming washed, becoming brand new. That is what this repentance and conversion is about. A person must let go of sin. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. If you want to live forever by entering God's kingdom, you need to let go of sin. That's how you start letting go, by decisively breaking away from it. And the second part, where it says to be born of the Spirit. Now, what does that mean? We can only find eternal life in and through Jesus Christ alone. 
The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Our faith needs to be put on the Lord. Romans chapter 10 explains this, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Jesus must be made the Lord of our lives. And after repenting and converting, not from some of our sins, but all of the sins that we have committed, it is necessary to ask him to come into our heart, to surrender to him, to ask him to be the Lord of our lives. That's how the miracle of salvation starts. That's the beginning, the start of eternity. That's the new birth or what being born again in Christ is. But that's just what it is. It's a start. And so, if it's a start, then what should continue happening? When Christ comes to live in our hearts by faith, the Holy Spirit will start guiding us through the Word of God to stop doing those things that produce death. We took the step of letting go of our sinful self. That's the start. But then we must continue in the journey of being transformed and changed into the very thing God made us to be. We start in the way to becoming the workmanship he always desired out of our own free will because we are starting to learn how to love him. See how that all starts coming together? And if we love God, then we should start looking to please him. That's how the transformation begins and continues. We begin to practice his commandments because that is the only way we can attain eternal life, immortality. And that's what everyone wants, right? Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21 tells us more about the things that we need to let go so that we can stop promoting death in our lives and effectively inherit the kingdom of God, where it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, which I told you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We need to stop practicing those things that can keep a person from inheriting the kingdom of God, because if these things don't stop, they will endanger your effective entrance into God's kingdom. That's what we just read. So, what should we do? Because we have to do something since we are created for God's purposes. We need to do those things that perpetuate life. Galatians chapter 5, right after that passage that we just read, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. It's not about being religious. It's not about a list of do's and don'ts. It's about loving God and loving our neighbor. And when we love God, we will do those things that the Spirit produces in us. Ultimately, those things that somehow practically helps us love our fellow man. This is ultimately something we need to keep in mind, that there is room for everything in life, 
But all we need to do is just give the Lord priority over everything by taking our lead from him, by doing what he tells us to do. That's the way we will inherit eternal life. The way to inherit eternal life should not be a difficult concept to understand. Children are able to understand it. I can say that because I understood it when I first came to Christ, when I was very young. And trust me, I'm not the most intelligent person on the planet. I'm a very simple person. But the thing that is difficult for most people to accept is the concept that God must be first, that he must be at the center of everything in our lives. That's the main problem that many people have. They want to be the center. They want to live their life however they want to. And quite frankly, rather than a person serving God, the person wants to be served by God. They want for God to tend to their wants, needs, and desires to be their beck and call. And shame on the Lord if he doesn't go along and justify everything we want him to justify, right? The way to eternal life is really about the most basic reality in the universe, about learning how to accept and acknowledge the Lord for who he truly is, the Lord of the universe, the greatest being that is in existence. It's about acknowledging what he tells us to do and accepting that as universal truth. You can be here on earth and God is still God. A person could stand on another planet in the next galaxy and God continues being God. This world and everything material can disappear one day, and it will, and God will still continue being God. He has always been, He is, and will always be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There is none higher. So it should only be common sense to accept what He says because there is none higher than Him. It is quite frankly in our own best interest. We are not God. Man is not God. We are very finite and limited creatures with very limited capabilities. And if we understand that, then how can we even imagine challenging and or not acknowledging the Lord of the universe? How can we even think for a moment that us very simple mortal people can influence and or impact this great and magnificent being? We can't even cure the common cold. We get some rain or some ice and that impacts our civilization almost irreparably. Take away our electricity and we are back to the dark ages. We die sometimes over the simplest of things. and We have no power over anything in the spiritual world. If we understand our limitations, how can we not come to understand and revere the Lord and choose to love him for all he has done and he is doing and will continue to do for all eternity? How can anyone afford to neglect their own soul? The only thing that could either die forever if it dies in its sins or lives forever through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, it's truly a choice between eternal death and immortality. I would encourage you to choose to love the Lord and give him the place in your life he deserves because that is the only way to inherit eternal life. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, forgive us, O Lord, for our hard heart. Heavenly Father, please have mercy on us. We choose to put so many other things ahead of you. And when we do that, we don't realize that we're just destroying ourselves and everything else around us. We are incapable of 
doing anything that is truly good on our own. We need you, Lord God. We need your mercy. We need your grace. We need your love. Heavenly Father, you are so good because you are such a great and magnificent being. And yet, you took the time to think about us and to see our problem, to see, Lord God, that we were completely lost without you, without any hope. We were fallen in our sins. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because you are truly merciful. Help us to understand that the only way that we can truly inherit eternal life is by learning how to love you. And Lord God, it is so fair to do that because you love us. You loved us first. Even when we were fallen and broken and worthless, you still loved us. And you gave your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, so that we could have eternal life. Heavenly Father, help us to be able to understand these very simple concepts that we just need to learn how to love you and to love our neighbors ourselves. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that your word is life, eternal life, and that we just need to do what you tell us to do. That there shouldn't be any complaining, there shouldn't be any rebellion, that, it's, that if we just do what we should do, then everything will be just fine. Help us, O oh Lord, to understand that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.